0: And welcome to the Tech Disruptors podcast. In this podcast series, we talk with CEOs and management teams about their views on tech disruption and how it is driving their decision-making and strategy. My name is Sunil Rajkopal, Software Analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence and Independent Equity Research Arm at Bloomberg. And I have with me Tim Armand, Chief Technology Officer at PagerDuty a cloud-centric end-to-end platform that provides solutions for IT incident management, process automation, and customer service operations. Tim, welcome to our podcast.
1: Hi, Sunil. Thanks for having me.
0: Great. To start, Tim, can you talk about your journey from platforms for financial transactions into pager duty and ultimately becoming the chief technology officer?
1: Sure. Um... I think, yeah, if you look back through my career history, um, uh, financial services, um, high volume transaction systems have been uh, more of the norm in terms of uh, moving into the world of PagerDuty. Um, prior to taking the call with PagerDuty when they were looking for a VP of engineering back in 2015, I was a, a very happy buyer and end user of PagerDuty a couple times over. So honestly, for me, career wise, it was a pretty easy call to take because um, I was pretty enamored by the problem space that PagerDuty was, was attacking at the time. Um, and, you know, some commonalities in terms of what what, uh, what got me really interested and excited beyond the, beyond the business potential was also the fact that, you know, similar to the financial world, there's like near zero tolerance for um, things to not work. And with uh, with PagerDuty, here's a, a brand promise put out there that it's always going to be on, almost like a dial tone. And uh, you know, even from a technology and architecture perspective, it's it's uh it's pretty uh, pretty terrifying at times to think about. Oh, how do you do that while you're building on top of things you don't control, like third party cloud services, like telco services, and um, and similar things. And uh, you know, just putting all that together, that, that sounded like um, a good challenge to, to be able to dive into. And over the years, which is now, you know, a little over nine years, um, I've uh, run engineering here I've one run, both products and engineering at the same time. And, uh, you know, in current role, as we've grown and expanded over the years, it's, uh, it's a split between, you know, the, the, the systems that, that help the business go home behind the scenes with our CIO org, along with the security space and, um, having a keen eye towards, uh, what, What do we believe needs to be true in the next, you know, two, three to five years so that we can continue to build a a business that delivers value for our customers?
0: Great. Before we dive deeper, given your extensive background in IT and more broadly in IT operations, I would love to hear how you would break down the software operations value chain today and what are the critical components that one needs to be aware of?
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a fun one, Sunil. I think what, what stands out and if you were to zoom out for a moment, it's kind of like, I think things start with like, what are your, what, what are the right set of goals to have in place in terms of what, what type of profile are you trying to achieve? And, and one thing I think it stands out is this notion of resiliency, not only for yourself, but for your customers and your customers, customers, which really boils down to how well and quickly, can you recover with the least amount of people being impacted or noticing? Um, you know, what goes into that? I think it's a, it's a bit of a you know, decision points around um, how you approach to to building and managing the, the things that you own from software and systems perspective. You know, I think you can never invest a, too much time in, in some healthy upfront work that stems from design to understanding, um, the various touch points that, that may or exist. What are your failure modes you need to think about? Cause all those types of things start to play into like what your eventual resilience profile will be. Um, I'm a big believer in you think about that, that value chain is, um, how you can automate many things such that, you know, your, your people, especially your your technologists are um are never waiting on the systems, so to speak, whether that's, you know, from design to to development to now integration internally and then getting getting the goods out to the to the production environments for, for customers um to be able to to be able to use in let's say a SaaS based scenario, you know, being able to have like this continuous loop always running across systems and a lot of automation behind the scenes goes a long way. Um, because in those resilience modes, you can, with automation, you can um, be in a good position to either quote unquote you know roll back or fix forward as quickly as possible again to minimize the impact scenario for for yourselves and your customers. Um, uh, I think other key points in that in that value chain comes into how you design and implement parts of monitoring, parts of alerting, such that in a way if you think about key measures that that that. Leaders like myself should always be looking out for is, you know, in a given time frame, what percentage of things are being caught by you, or versus what percentage of things are actually being reported in by customers. Um, and then you start to incorporate common practices around and tooling and capabilities and insights, be able to facilitate, you know, healthy healthy response activities, so that when you do get alerted, or you get inform- informed that that something might be going into an unexpected state, how well do you react? How well are you able to help automate certain tasks and things such that you were starting to graduate towards scenarios and systems that are more self healing than requiring a ton of human interaction, um, all the time. Um, and so, you know, putting all that together, you know, it's like it, in, in a very selfish and somewhat biased way. I I've seen the dark side where there isn't, uh, you know, duty in the mix and, and some of these good practices and, and cultural norms deployed. And I've seen it when when there is and what a difference that makes. And we see that through a lot of our customers each and every day.
0: From what I know, much of your career has spanned around critical, time-sensitive, highly regulated, and privacy-first domain, that is uh, payments. And I'm sure there have been multiple IT-related incidents that may have kept you up all night sure. the incidents could be because of a broken link api changes software updates etc how does one go about fixing those issues and how does pager duty help in managing that chaos
1: yeah i mean that that's the that's the you know if finding ways to answer that question, you know, over and over in a repeatable, durable manner, that's, that's utopia in a grand scheme of things. Um, the, I I think if we were to break this down, regardless of, you know, industry and whatnot, we're, we're we're sitting in a world right now where many industries, many businesses, many verticals are in this, um, in this transformative state that says, my customers expect a digital first experience and if I'm on the if I'm on the the brand side name your industry name your vertical it doesn't matter more often than not not all things are as digital and as modern as they need to be from from both a technology stack perspective an operations perspective and a set of practices in order to deliver what the customer expects which is basically you know we live in this real-time world where everything has to work I don't want to see spinners on my apps I don't want to see any any delay in anything. And, um, you know, those, those choice points around how you approach, um, again, think about that resilience factor I just spoke about goes a long way, um, in very specifically with, with PagerD, you know, one, the, the unique offering that, that page as our operations cloud offers is an end to end offering that allows you and or, you know, systems to, to truly action and accelerate getting a whole bunch of unplanned and critical time sensitive work done that that shows up in different flavors across different parts of an organization. But more often than not, inside technical organizations, it is about helping to pinpoint where is the highest probable cause for this happening? What's the rich situational context? That's going to give me as much info as possible to either make the next decision or by leveraging part of what we offer, we've helped automate what those next things uh, need to be because we've, we've seen it together multiple times over and, you know, being able to then ultimately to the classic scenario of like detect that a thing is happening, be able to actually um, understand the context and that analysis phase. And more often than that, that has to happen in near real time being able to mobilize the right people or triggering the right sets of um, things to be taken care of automatically in order to get to the next stage of resolution. And once you do all that, the real key thing is how are you gonna learn from that, close the feedback loop and action the things that need to be done so that you don't see that situation again. And so end-to-end, our Operations Cloud offers capabilities in order to facilitate that entire end-to-end life cycle.
0: So maybe we can, Double click a little bit on the platform. Can PagerDuty's platform be deployed as an on-premise solution, or is it a cloud-only solution?
1: 100% SaaS. All
0: right. Okay. How do you integrate or keep up with the ever-growing and changing software development, operations, and security landscape? And uh, how how does Pager, how has pager duty evolved over time?
1: Um, you know the the you know if we talk about the security side, the security side is one that that definitely tends to move and evolve the the fastest. Um, I think uh, you know one thing we've we've done well. I think one it starts with you know how do you how do you organize yourselves with the right sets of experience and skills in order to be able to get to a point where you feel you're, you're fairly proactive on things you know about, um, in order to be able to bolster and, um, really manage a healthy risk posture overall. And that can stem from basic practices around like, you know, um, incorporating, um, you know, parts of, uh, security in, into your upfront design principles, looking from a threat modeling perspective in terms of where the most prominent risk vectors, how you get it, how you get ahead of those and create a set of, um, uh, practices internally where you're, you're always able to revisit and adapt and revisit and adapt on being able to incorporate, you know, whether it's, um, uh, intelligence from the outside, you're seeing things from the inside, um, uh, buttoning up holes that might exist, um, leveraging parts of your ecosystem goes a long way because one thing I found in terms of, um, you know, products that a lot of companies depend on, many of us, we all have no problem talking to each other in order to keep things, you know, you know, safe at the end of the day. So, um, that's, that's one scenario that comes up. We've also, um, done things before, I think they were, you know, more mainstream around, Um, from our deployment profile with our cloud providers, establishing a 100% zero trust network, um, where in that model you are, you accept, you you assume nothing is safe and you interrogate every single packet and every single request that comes in and out of your your services and your systems. Um, So, and, you know, I think uh, the the security side is the one that tends to be most prominent, one that you're always most paranoid about. Um, you, every day there's, you know, people are standing, delivering news about new things that are happening, new things that are transpiring just the other day, which, you know, there was some speculation. was it yesterday when AT&T was down for, you know, it seemed like a majority of North America. Um, there's some speculation was like, was that a cyber attack? And I think they came back and said, no, but that tends to be a starting point when there's disruption, is it cyber related or not, which, you know, it, it's always top of mind.
0: Now. You acquired an interesting company named Jelly. What were the motivations behind it, and both from a technology perspective and a business uh, drive perspective, and how has that helped you to accelerate and grow your business?
1: Sure, yeah, we um, they're they're relatively new. They uh, we joined forces with Jelly, brought them into the fan, into the company um, last November so we're a few months into this next phase of the journey what the the motivation around jelly um it's a couple of items one is from a solutions perspective they had this um really um refreshing focus on taking you know major operational failures otherwise known as incidents and shifting the mindset around like yes they're incidents but they're also fantastic opportunities and they're opportunities to go and learn about what transpired so that you can take that feedback in and start to action the next set of, um, uh, activities or efforts and initiatives that will help you dramatically reduce the risk of that same thing happening again. And so from a, both from a software and a practice perspective, they, um, they, uh, they got quite a bit of traction, um, across very well-known brands in order to be able to help really, um, improve, you know, teams abilities to be able to understand what really transpired with some, um, some really from a technology has some really interesting capabilities being able to pull, um, data from various sources and create in real time, very rich contextually relevant insights. And what that tends to do is, you know, when you get into like a, um, imagine getting into a room with a number of colleagues, Talking about, hey, what just happened? What was the timeline? What, what happened here and there? Who did what? What happened after that? What was the state of the system during that time? Right. There's a lot of preparation that has to go in just to be able to facilitate a walkthrough of a basic timeline of what transpired. Well, Jelly allows you to get a fast start to that and help you save tens upon hundreds of, of people hours to almost to basically automate the prep. Now you're in a you know trust but verify scenario to review that and then be able to now. Ultimately, action—the next set of efforts and initiatives. So, when we think about the entire life cycle of, of um, when I'm I'm I become aware that there's some unplanned, really critical time sense of work to be done. There's an aspect of the closing of the feedback loop, so that maybe next time I'm not not so surprised. I'm better prepared. My systems are prepared. My code is prepared. My software, in you know, is is better prepared so that it's not so painful and expensive the next time this arises um so they they fit in really well they have a great they they well we now offer um, a really enriched um, uh, experience um, to be able to really facilitate teams and systems abilities to react Learn quickly and eventually get to a point where you can start to become far more proactive about um, literally managing your, your digital operations end to end.
0: Right. If you look at the enterprise digital assets today, there are like thousands of maybe applications that are run or micro applications and then you have your infrastructure that is spread out in... Many geographies, uh, many different uh, cloud providers, etc. Mm-hmm. So, how does PagerDuty bring together or integrate all those things into your incident management system? Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, um, you know where we typically get plugged in into a customer's environment um, is is in a scenario where a lot of the, the the various things that might exist in an environment, whether it's a um, monitoring tooling, various activities that transpire that um, that impact the state of that environment, it could be pushing new code to the environment. It could be pushing new sets of configuration changes. All these different points of reference can be fed into into PagerDuty. We offer a little over seven hundred ish. I can't remember the exact number of um, of uh, of integrations. Um, that creates a very rich ecosystem for for a customer to tap into and start to plug in the data flow in the pager duty. Then what happens is we're then able to actually not only just like aggregate all the information, but then start to create some very rich contextual insight and awareness for your state of your application, state of your infrastructure, state of that environment um, in a constant constant, uh, manner um, in real time. So, once that's coming in, our engine starts to do a lot of work for you and create a lot of leverage, so that um, you know if things are stable and and everything's happening expected, great. No news is good news. Something looks like an outlier, and starts to you know and, and actually you know shows up out of a little bit of a, in an unplanned manner. That's when then PagerDuty starts to get to work for you to be able to then ensure you can um, be be aware right away. Uh, ensure that the that the right people and or the right systems are involved and then ultimately starting to help people both come together and create common lanes where they can actually understand what's happening in that context and then also be able to uh, start to action and that, that's one of the key things like there, there's a lot of scenarios out there with a lot of parts of tooling and whatnot where you come in you get a lot of data and then you talk about it well the real difference maker of the page is it actually forces into action. It's a platform for action in order to help drive that, the, the business forward help make sure that, you know, again, on the, on the operations front, that things are always humming as expected as best as possible. So think of us like we get plugged in the middle of all the things um, and, and ultimately help you ensure you can start to get on top of things more and more and more. And it's, it's like it's it's a it's not a sprint it's it's a journey together to get to a point where you know you've ultimately started to to realize this um, this effect on your entirety of your operations environment that feels more manageable versus like trying to put out a wildfire in every corner that you look at.
0: Right. From what you just said, is it fair to say that PagerDuty's platform works in Close uh, collaboration, or in terms of closely works with the observability. Oh, platforms.
1: absolutely! Yeah, yeah. In fact, think of PagerDuty and our operations cloud offering as as a as an investment and as a uh, as a as a partner that helps complement a lot of your existing investments. Right? You know, We we are not in the observability game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we're there to help complement uh, the various um, data that observability tools emit so that we can actually create some coherence and context between all the disparate parts of your systems and your environments. Similar to, um, uh, you know, um, I would say we help complement um, the, the IT service management players as well. And we help deliver you know, value on top of your existing investments there Because of that action scenario that I talked about earlier, where you are actually realizing some real measurable value very quickly once Pagerie starts to get plugged in and and utilized.
0: That's quite useful insight. So going into the revenue model, can Mm -hmm. you run through your revenue generation model? Is that seed-based model or is it based on the number of connected nodes or applications
1: yeah, it's um, it's a it's a combination. Um, predominantly uh, seat based. We also have um, some some product offerings that are also in a consumption based model, where um, based on usage and and you know kind of thing like tiers of usage um, that uh, that uh, we also price our, our offerings at. So um, there's some some flexibility baked in with the with the entirety of the operations cloud and the and the various capabilities that come into play. Um, so we like to think that we we're we're there to help you know meet our customers where they need to be
0: right when we look at the overall landscape of incident management how does pager duties offering differ from that of competition and uh, maybe to add to that who are you primarily competing against yeah
1: um, from a differentiation perspective, one thing comes into play is we've got um, a set of capabilities that um, go far beyond um, where most incident management um, uh, solutions sit, which is really around like the response side of it, right? Which is about ah, I have to get somebody or something's attention in order to respond to the to the to the interrupt to to the to the signal or the event or the monitor or the alert and then then what right and so this is where pageji comes in where from an end to end perspective you think about the entirety of the life cycle it begins with some some data point or some signal or some event that's getting emitted usually through various observability tooling and on its own it means nothing or it might mean something. But when you combine it with the various other integration points that exist, for example, you know, the, the highest, the, the number one reason why systems and environments get to an unexpected state in some manner or some kind of failure mode is because change got introduced into the environment. Well, wouldn't it be great if, if in real time, you knew about all the changes that showed up, not only into the area that I own, it might be an application stack or a particular service offering there, what about all the other surrounding changes that might be upstream and downstream from you, from, from my area? Because that's really important information to know for that context so that I can, you know, create that, uh, really be able to diagnose. It's kind of like a doctor being able to have all the inputs and everything to be able to diagnose holistically and accurately. Um, and then be able to action that through parts of automation, whether that's kicking off a series of automated workflows, that leverage data and some applied machine learning to be able to determine where might be the next place to go or being able to help um, with uh, on the machine side with our process automation capabilities to be able to help teams and systems and services get into more and more of a self-healing state wherever possible, right? Because if we can help save time in every one of these steps of the way, everybody wins, including the business, including your business's customers. So, um, you know, with respect to you know how applied machine learning and parts of AI being incorporated, that's another differentiation factor that that stems the end to end of our operations cloud suite. And you know, for example, you know, incorporating you know um, machine learning and uh, other parts of, uh, of AI is not new for us. Uh, we've been we've been doing it for the last seven plus years. Um, certainly, the advent of generative AI has created a new dimension. Of uh, of what could become across a across a platform offering like PagerDuty, and also what customers are are seeking and or tolerable of, but again, it's the end to end lifecycle, right? That that's a differentiation factor. We've got the 700 plus integrations that really put us in a in a healthy position to partner with our customers and complement a lot of their existing investments, and really almost enrich so that they can actually supercharge their operations capabilities and start to step through their own maturity in that regard um, far quicker than ever before. In terms of your other question of who do we typically compete with? You know, one of, the, of our main competitors is, is around, um, given that we, we do service some of the largest brands on the planet, um, things that were built in-house or homegrown that have just, you know, kind of lingered along for the years. We, we see that a lot as where you know organizations hit a tipping point and then all of a sudden, they're like, this is untenable. You know, the people that even, you know, implemented some of these things, they, they, they're not here, let alone they may not be on the earth anymore. I need another solution. Um, and more often than not, folks are looking for an outside expert to be a provider of a solution like this. Because if it's baked into your own environment and your environment goes down and you go dark in your environment, well, now you've lost the capability to actually adequately, you know, um, deal with that, that unplanned and super critical work.
0: Right. You talked about AI, and I'll definitely follow up on that topic, but uh, staying on the revenue theme, what is your market motion? Are you going after SMBs, mid-market, or large enterprises? And is there any specific vertical you're targeting the most?
1: Um, So, you know, we we service 25,000 plus organizations globally today we have, I would, I would, I would say we have every flavor of organization as company. You can imagine from a, you know, a five person company just getting started um, all the way to, you know, more than 60% of the fortune 100. So we've got, we've got a large set of uh, types of companies um, that we're fortunate enough to, to partner with in terms of, you know, we're, we're seeing, um, uh, a lot of really healthy momentum in the enterprise segment there's no doubt about that so we've got a, a degree of focus there and we know that if we can solve for things in a continuous and and uh and uh productive manner for for the enterprise and then, then a lot of things also get solved for for the rest especially when you think about enterprise expect you know things to be buttoned up on the compliance side things to be buttoned up on the security side things to be buttoned up from a scale factor perspective and when you manage a, a multi-tenant SaaS environment, uh, with a third party cloud provider, the way we do, then, um, being able to do that really helps benefit the the rest of our, of our customer base as it, as it continues to grow and evolve. Um, in terms of verticals, we, um, we don't want say target a specific vertical. We have some sweet spots, as you can imagine being, you know, SaaS provider in the last 15 years, you know, software and technology companies are definitely a sweet spot. We also, um, service public sector, we service, um, hospitality, we service, um, uh, uh, both, um, you know, digital first e-commerce players, but then also brick and mortar, uh, um, companies that are now graduating into the digital world, um, travel from, you know, I talk about hospitality, but also travel from airlines to, to other scenarios. Um, and, uh, so we've, we've got a pretty wide portfolio. of of verticals that we're we're plugged into currently.
0: Last year was a bit of a rough year for the entire software sector with cloud spend optimizations, headcount rebalance measures and longer sales cycles. How did that impact your own product planning and how are you thinking about this year and next?
1: Yeah, from from a product planning perspective, it, it definitely created, I think over the last call, maybe it's the last two-ish years, I think a, a, a healthy, um, almost like refined focus on ensuring that we are in the business of, of you know, delivering value for our customers. And it's not valuable to your customers really tell you that it is, so to speak, right? And, you know, years past, we might have viewed like the, the, the most prominent value propositions we offer to be one set of, of items. And now today, they would, they would become very different. So I'll, I'll give you an example, you know, call it between five and 10 years ago, um, we really, really um, showed up with this notion that the reliability of a platform is, you know, is a feature, is a core capability because of the type of, of a um, of profile that PagerDuty takes on within our customer base. Recall what I said earlier around like we have to always be on our customers, leverage us to be their eyes and ears ultimately. And uh, if we're not up and running, that's a big problem. So we have like almost like this like this zero tolerance scenario. Now, in today's world, as you know, you know, more and more of us have all become better at figuring out how to actually operate um, SaaS based products and services. But then also gotten better around architecture decisions and whatnot you know, this notion of reliability could be argued as like, it's, it's expected, but I shouldn't have to ask for it. So now it's like, okay, what's the next stage of of a value-based proposition that that we bring to the table? What we found is um, going back three years ago, we did an acquisition of a company called Rundeck. That's become the heart of our process automation capability, which is around being able to curate and automate Um, management and execution of of runbooks, which are a series of could be tasks and or capabilities that, that, um, that get triggered when certain things transpire, certain events transpire. And so um, that's also now graduating to, you know, a set of machine based automation, we can help deploy in a customer. So just this notion of automation to create like that healthy leverage point for our customers. Because we know time is money. We know that companies are being asked to do more with less. And it's almost like I tend to ask questions of, of my peers. Is like, it's like, you know, what, how much percentage of automation can we help uh, bring about? Like how much of your work in these scenarios is actually automated? And what's a target percentage we can grow into together? That's where some aspects of differentiation have definitely started to show up. Um, time and time again, we've been able to demonstrate that when, when we get plugged in, it's it's a fairly short payback period. And usually that shows up in um, both called the number of these types of operational fairs that tend to show up and really impact the business. But then also coupled with how much time are teams spending in these other types of scenarios that, that we just don't know about. Cause usually what we don't know is usually the, the Achilles heel. So how do we surface a lot of that type of activity? Um, in order to help ultimately raise the productivity level of the of a company, all in. So that hopefully gives you a flavor where where we start to focus and re- refine our focus from an end to end lifecycle perspective of where we can you know help create the most value for, for for our customers for ourselves and really help just make the let's make this crazy world of digital everything a little bit easier on us all.
0: Just very quickly, when you mentioned about uh, process automation, does that put you in competition with uh, players such as UiPath?
1: Ah, uh, no, because the, you know the difference is you know with UiPath and other players in the robotic process automation um, world, this is more around um, being able to um, to stitch together specific types of tasks and or activities within let's say your your systems environment that uh that that essentially take in you know the the myriad of, of inputs to be able to adapt and still fulfill the tasks that are needed. Um so uh we you know robot you know player like UiPath typically will play kind of more in the in the back office scenario whether that's with financial systems and go-to-market systems or IT systems that are traditional help desk oriented. Whereas our process automation sits with um, the, think of it as like the, the, the developers and or the technologists that are in the business of operating um, live customer environment.
0: One quick question on AI before we talk about big picture questions. Yeah how should one be thinking about incident management with growing machine intelligence? And how does that help you reshape your solutions, customer experience, and headcount requirements?
1: Yeah, I think a healthy orientation comes down to like, where is where are you losing time in order to put out the fire? Right? And so is that in trying to find the right people with the right knowledge? If that's not defined somewhere, how do you go about doing that? Is that to understand the actual context, so you can figure out the the highest probability of the origin of the issue being in this particular area or due to these specific reasons. Um, um, you know, because because there's various parts of like this this um, life cycle. We think of when something shows up unexpected. Now, what do I do? What am I? What do my other team members or people I've never met with and worked with before need to be able to know about and do? And ultimately, how do we then? help accelerate getting whatever that work item is done in order to remedy the situation where that that unplanned interruption showed up. And so, you know, when you think about like, like major operational failure modes that really impact a a business, so much time is lost in identifying of an issue, so much time is lost in teasing out the noise to understand wh- where's the highest fidelity of the signal, where, where's the, really the root of this coming from, or the highest probable origin of where it's coming from. Now, what do I do about it? Who do I need to help? What needs to get triggered? Um, how do you start to automate some of these scenarios? Cause there are common patterns across, um, across failure modes in certain environments. That's where, again, the benefit of PagerDuty kicks in where we've been in the business for 15 years. 25,000 organizations strong. And there's a lot of patterns we picked up on that we'd be able to incorporate in order to be able to suggest and incorporate, you know, uh, various ways in order to solve something <clears throat> better and faster, more predictably, and ultimately get to a point where your systems and your people are are operating at a higher proficiency clip. Um, you know, the, the, the piece that I think most people ponder about, even myself at times, is like, how do you ensure that, you know, what, what the, I'll put in air quotes, what the AI is spitting out is trustworthy, right? Is it right? How do you know? And again, that's where then, you know, the, the capabilities of our of our own software, our own offering our people and, and kind of what we bring to the table, we like think that there's, um, we, we know that being, if we're wrong, that comes at a high cost to the customer. So, you know, there's a lot of attention and uh, work put in to ensure that uh, we are definitely as accurate as possible, um, you know, and then the world of generative AI takes on a whole nother uh, dimension with, um, you know, how do you protect from misuse and you know the various hallucinations and things like that, that can transpire, um, which I feel like as an industry, we're all still trying to figure out.
0: One big picture question here is where do you see the company in the next five years and anything you can talk about customer or revenue growth ambitions?
1: Um, so I think in in five years, what what I'm um, relentlessly trying to help make true is, you know, as Padre has grown traditionally within technology organizations, right? We've we have a tremendous amount of street credibility and referenceable um, uh, success scenarios that we we help people do their jobs better, and being able to grow that out to not just within the the, you know, the traditional operations or development or IT ops or DevOps communities, but actually across the entirety of an organization, because every organization has an associate technology stack that they depend on. Every organization has to be able to optimize um, how they get work done. Every organization gets interrupted with things that are time critical. So when you really zoom out of that, there's no reason why... um, in my strong belief that um, that every part of an organization reports into a CEO should be in the business of, of achieving, you know, their, their notion of operational excellence because the business and their business's customers and their customers, customers will all benefit. So, you know, I envision in five years time, more and more of, Page of Duty is sitting on um, every company's employees uh, handset, It's a way of getting critical work done um, uh, far more proactively and predictably than ever before. And it's almost like organization agnostic when it comes to uh, serving the needs of, again, customers or companies are all um, got, uh, you know, digital first minded consumers or customers of their own, yet their own stacks and or operations capabilities aren't proficient with digital yet. And... We feel like we have a fantastic opportunity to go help make that happen over and over and over.
0: Right. Before we move on to our last section, I want to get your thoughts on this big lingering question or the elephant in the room. That is the question around recent m noise or takeover interest. What do you have to say about it, if at all? Sunil,
1: so, you know, I give you an A for effort, but uh, we don't comment on rumors or speculation right now. Ultimately, we're, we're 100% heads down, focusing on, you know, market opportunity we have, our, our customers, and um, everything that's in front of us.
0: Great. So this brings to our last section, which I call as final three. Your answers can be one-liners. Okay. So the first question is, should we expect the number of IT incidents to reduce or increase with the growing AI capabilities?
1: Oh, 100% increase.
0: Right. The second question here is, what is the one big technical area or development that will be key to watch in the incident management space?
1: Um, that's a really good question. I, I would say my, my one-liner to that is um, how to achieve this notion that, that more work is getting automated in order to create an environment of self-healing systems.
0: Right, and the last one, how many times were you called late into the night due to a major incident or IT incident in the last few years?
1: I I would say if we take away the the late into the night scenario, I would say, um, because it feels like it's a 24-7 thing, Over the last two years, probably at least a couple of hundred.
0: Tim, great answers. And that brings us uh, to the close of this podcast. Thank you very much for making time for this. And I'm sure our listeners will find the in-depth insights you shared on IT operations, chaos management, and the evolving technology landscape to be valuable. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Sunil. Appreciate it.